Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. And have we got a special guest today? Im, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one and introduce our guest. Who are we talking to? Sal, where do I even begin with this introduction? We are talking to Dr. Edith Eager, who is a psychologist, a New York Times bestselling author, and a Holocaust survivor. Dr. Eager has gone on to write two life-changing books that we have both read and they've been so incredibly helpful for our healing, haven't they, Sal? They're called The Choice and The Gift. So Dr. Eager teaches people the gift of forgiveness, about the importance of not being a victim in life, how to turn hatred into pity, how to find hope in hopelessness. And there's just so many more I could go on and on and on about all the amazing things that this woman teaches. Good night. (laughs) It was such an enlightening conversation and her story is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So Edith and her family were sent to Auschwitz in 1944 when she was only 16 years old and she tragically witnessed both of her parents be sent to the gas chambers, but her bravery and her resilience kept her and her sister Magda alive, which is just absolutely incredible. She's such a gift to this world and she's just the absolute embodiment of wisdom, isn't she? She really is. She, I had to pinch myself when we were talking to her in conversation. I was like, I Mate, can't I'm believe. still pinching myself <laughs> that we had this conversation. <laughs> and Im, I know that this conversation was extra meaningful for you because you were able to talk to Dr. Eager about the circumstances surrounding your mum's suicide yeah. that left you feeling a lot of anger and rage. And I think that some of the advice that she shared with you was really, really helpful, but but really meaningful as well. And she's one of your sort of, I guess, heroes isn't she really absolutely um I just remember coming across her work when I was in the depths of my grief and trauma and every single word just resonated with me and landed with me and I feel like she changed my life and I don't say that lightly and to have had this opportunity to meet with the person who helped me survive was just such an honor like I will never forget this And we know that a lot of our listeners have also reached out to say how excited they are for today's conversation. Um, So we really hope that this brings anyone who's tuning in a little bit of comfort. And if you're navigating grief and loss, that maybe these words might resonate with you. It's a powerful conversation. And mate, I am so glad that you that you got this chance to speak to her as well. And she did not disappoint, did she? She didn't. It's just so everything that she said was so thought provoking. Mm. So even if you're not experiencing grief and loss, like this conversation is a, is a game changer. Like she is just so phenomenal and full of so much wisdom. And we hope that you guys take as much away from it as we have. Enjoy guys. I just want to start by saying what an honor it is to have you join us today. We have both taken a lot of comfort and hope from your work, and we really are truly grateful for your time. So thank you. You know what? I'm looking at your beautiful eyes, and it reminds me 
in Auschwitz when we were completely shaven and my sister Magda asked me, how do I look? And so you reminded me because I looked at Magda and I knew I became her mirror. And I looked at her little body and uh, nakedness and no hair. And instead of telling her how she really, really looked, I remember telling her, Magda, you have beautiful eyes, and I couldn't see it when you had your hair all over the place. And I'm looking at you, and all I could concentrate on is your beautiful eyes. Oh, thank you. That is beautiful. Dr. Eager, before we, we jump into our interview, I wanted to personally thank you. Uh, your work has had a profound impact on my life in many ways. I'm going to try not to get too emotional here, um, but there are parts of my story which I have not publicly talked about on our podcast. I was filled with so much hatred and rage and I came across your work and you said in the choice, I don't want you to hear my story and say, my own suffering is less significant. I want you to hear my story and say, if she can do it, so can I. So I just wanted to let you know that that is exactly what I did. And you have taught me the most powerful gift that I didn't even know that I needed. And that was the gift of forgiveness. So thank you so much. You're so happy to uh, hear that because there is no forgiveness without rage. And I had a lot of that. <laughs> You can, you can shake your fist at God and God will not be mad at you. Just go through it, but don't get stuck in it. And so anger is not a primary emotion. I usually have uh, that word put on my, on my blackboard in my office that when you're angry, chances are you have a lot of frustration, a lot of unresolved emotional business from your family of origin. It has nothing to do with what's going on right now. So I think we are uh, doing uh, very, very well today by recognizing that uh, people either have something but they don't want or they want something what they don't have. Because the older I get, the simpler my language is. I, I, uh, I like to demythologize. Um, because there is no perfect woman, there is no perfect family, uh, nobody is really happy, happy when children are uh, stuck in uh, in uh, border and they don't know where their parents are. I mean, just look, look how liberated we are. We're not. We're locked in a very unfortunate prison, and that prison is in our own mind. And the key is in your pocket. That you hear from me all the time. Yes. And it helped me so much. So thank you. It's such, it's such an important lesson. And I think a lot of people don't really understand 
the true meaning of forgiveness. I know I didn't until I came across your work. I thought if I forgive someone, it means it's kind of letting them off for what they did to us. And it's not that at all, is it, Edie? No, no, honey. I don't have any godly power. I don't really know uh, what it means to um, forgive you for what you did to me. That's not up to me. I think it's up to me to give myself a gift that I can live freely and not to be stuck in a past because guilt is in a past, worry is in the future. And we never worry about good things happening. So I consider worry one of the worst emotions that people are holding on to. We mothers worry a lot and uh, 78% never happens what we worry about and thinking that's maybe going to make a difference. It, it just keeps you in your own prison. That's wise words, Dr. Eager. And your work teaches people the importance of not being a victim to anyone or anything in life. After everything that you endured in Auschwitz, how did you find the strength to survive? Mm -hmm. Well, I was 16 years old and I had a boyfriend and he told me I have beautiful eyes and beautiful hands. And uh, so I wanted to live so badly. And somehow um, in this young mind that I had, I pretended that they were the prisoners, not me. Even though I was told every day that the only way I will get out of here um, is, uh, is, is just really think about tomorrow. But what really saved me more than anything else is my curiosity. Mm. I hope you're a curious person. You want to know what's going to happen next. I have a friend, you know, who's dating guys. But if it doesn't work out, or she's saying to me, next, next, waiting for the next guy to come. And uh, I think that's a very, very good thing to have. I was always very curious what's going to happen next. And even today, what's going to happen next, I'm very curious. Are we going to unite how women can uh, not look at another woman as a competition or domination or nothing like that. Because what we learned is how to care for one another and how to unite and move and transcend the ego, the me, 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 and commit ourselves to each other. And that's what you're doing. And that's why I chose to talk to you. I love that. And there's a quote from your work that we do love about curiosity. And you said, what if the unknown could make us curious instead of gut us with fear? And I think a lot of people, as you said, we live in worry. You know, we have all of these thoughts about the future and, and it can be really fearful. And how can we get to a place where we're not fearful of curiosity? You change your thinking. If you change your thinking, you change your life. 
you are for something rather than against something. You you think about hope rather than hopelessness. You you are somehow find a gift in everything. Auschwitz gave me a, a gift of how to be more compassionate listener. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we would talk less and listen more. <laughs> or you have to say, tell me more. Tell me more. I did that with a white supremacy uh, boy who was going to kill all the Jews. And I told him, tell me more. He had no idea. And that's the difference between reacting or responding. Because when you react, you don't think a lot of the times. You hit me, I'll hit you back. I don't think revenge does give you much at all. Maybe a little satisfaction, but it's very temporary. Forgiveness is a gift that I give to me, because if I would live in hate, I would still be a prisoner. I'm not a victim. I was victimized. It's not who I am. It's what was done to me. And a really powerful message um, that we've taken from your work is um, where you say it's not about overcoming what happened to you. It's about coming to terms with it. And honestly, Dr. Eager, those words have impacted us so truly, haven't they, Imogen? Changed our lives. We can't tell you enough. Every podcast we go on, we share we share your wisdom with everyone. And that is one of the, yeah, that's something that has just helped us so much. You know, my great-grandson calls me Gigi Baby. <laughs> Gigi stands for great-grandma. Um, Gigi Baby. He's very short himself, you know, but when, when I hear Gigi Baby... I know that God saved me for a purpose, oh. that I'm here to give and change hatred. Mm. And you really, pity. you do have such a gift, Dr. Eager, and I just have to share this with you. Um, so a few months ago, Imogen and I interviewed each other for, for our podcast. And we asked each other, who is the one person if you could interview anyone in the whole world, who would it be? And Imogen answered, "You've got me be, crying." <laughs> it would be, it would be you. So I just yeah. want to reiterate how special and how honoured we feel to be joined by you today, because it is quite—it's quite literally a dream come true. I think you Imogen. saved my life, and I'm not saying that lightly. I truly think you saved my life. I didn't see hope for the future. I didn't see how I would survive what what happened, and um, you came into my life at the right time. So this is just such an honour. I would like to ask you to please go and meet your mom. Where is she buried? She was cremated. She was cremated. I was just thinking for you to tell your mother that you love her. Even though the behavior 
was not something at all that you would agree upon. But as a person, as a human being, you love her and you have a good life because that's what she wants for you. So she could say it with an English accent. By God, she's got it. You know? <laughs> I, I know when I am in Sydney, I try to speak English like you do, uh, but it's not so good. I remember when I went to a rehearsal and uh, and the conductor put my sister in the middle of the concert hall to give him feedback. And I remember my sister saying it with the accent, top heavy, top, the, the top is like, you say a top, say top. Top. Top, top yeah. <laughs> and she would say to the conductor, top heavy. And I thought to myself, my sister speaks good Australian English. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing that advice for me um, about my mum. But on that on that topic, something that I have struggled with, and I know it's something that you've experienced, and many of our listeners as well, is survivor's guilt, um, and yeah. it's something that I'm still in the process of working through. What can we do to help free ourselves from those all-consuming thoughts and feelings of guilt? Yes, uh, that's a beautiful question. Uh, if you read the Torah, it tells you after one year, leave the dead alone. Okay. That's all they give you. That's why we have a Shiva and you grieve and you cry and you cry and cry until you can't cry anymore. Because what comes out of your body doesn't make you ill, what stays in there. So what we do, we anger, we either vent it, we suppress it, which I did. And uh, I'd like to dissolve it. But when you get rid of something, you have to replace it with something else. How about self-love, which is self-care, which is not narcissistic? Mm. How about it? You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and say, I love me. And that's how you start your day, because there'll never be another day. Life is just one day. Mm. The morning sunshine doesn't come back. So that's why at 94, I am the happiest. I'm the youngest. I give up the need for other people's approval of me. So I hope that I can be your midwife today, that you create the true you, your genuine self, which we usually give it up when we're young. Because, you know, if you're a firstborn and you marry a firstborn, you're going to have two bosses and you have a problem <laughs> with, be, be, you have a hard time giving up being right. 
And I'm right, of course, but I'm only right for Edie. I cannot be right for you, anybody else. And that's why in marriage, it's good to give up to be right. You're right for you. So it's good to be a compassionate listener. And I like that idea of how to be able to repeat what I hear so people know we are on the same page. Because some people would respond to something that that was not said, it was unsaid, and it was not not something that was really said. And I think it's very would would be very useful for people to be honest and say, would you please repeat what you said? I just want to be sure that we are on the same page. And I think when you're experiencing grief and loss, there is power in being compassionate to yourself as well. So like you say, self-care, you know, it's an act of self-preservation, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. And I think giving yourself that that compassion, even when you don't feel like it, is, is so important. You know, I knew in Auschwitz who's going to die. It was on their face, but most of all, it was in their eyes. I could see someone giving up and just existing, mm. not living, not caring what's going to happen next. I know a girl was with me from Yugoslavia and she loved her country and she couldn't wait to go home and tell the country what happens when good people do such terrible things. And unfortunately, she told me we're going to be liberated by Christmas and, and we were not liberated and she died the next day. So it's very, very important for us to think about our thinking and uh, change your thinking. You can change your feelings. Mm, I you love that. Feel, yeah, it's very important. Uh, your feelings will come from your thinking. I think yes and rather than yes, but. Mm. Yes, how many times maybe we mothers tell our daughters that you're so beautiful, but I think you have a lot of pimples and, and uh, you're fat, you eat too much. And, and so you're into the yes, but, and I say, everything cancels after the but. It's better to change the but to end. Yes, and furthermore, and uh, and come up with a good mommy to you. Mm. Are you a good mommy to you? Are you are you taking good care of you? Because there's a little girl crying. I want a healthy mommy, and you show up for her. Just say, I'll never leave you. I will be the only one 
or you're never ever gonna lose. You you provide for an at, you provide an atmosphere. See, we women are good doing that. We are. <laughs> don't don't ask how are you. That's a stupid question. How are you? Fine. I used to do that. And then next time I said, geez, good to see you. I missed you. Very different. How are you? Fine. People don't answer honestly, do they? And that's something that we've tried to teach our audience. Yeah. We need to think before you say anything. And one of the things is most important but that it is important to say what you're going to say. But most of all, is it kind? Mm. I do that a lot. I want to be kind as much as I can. Uh, kindness with me goes very far. Mm. There's a quote in your book, The Choice, that I highlighted and I couldn't highlight enough. It just resonated so much with me. And you said, memory is sacred ground, but it's haunted too. It's the place where my rage and my guilt and grief go circling like hungry birds scavenging the same old bones. Wow. You articulated that aspect of grief so powerfully. Thank you. You were really with me. You were really with me and you are with me and we have each other. And when you are 94, you're going to be the happiest (laughs) because you give up the need for other people's approval. I I cut out two words, always and never. Mm. I think they are absolutistic words. Instead, I say up till now I did this and now I'm going to do something else. See, you t- you're telling me that you read my book and you're doing something else. <laughs> yes. So it may be better, it may not be, but you don't go back and do the same thing over and over again. Einstein said that. That's the definition of insanity. Dr. Eager, our mums both died when we were in our early 30s. And quite often, we find it difficult to look into the future and our lives without them in it. And this is something that we know a lot of our listeners struggle with as well. So my question for you is, how can we come to a place of peace with losing the people that we love? Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. I, you know, it's just not to go back and do the same thing and hoping for different results. I think uh, everything has to do with expectations. When I expect more and I get less, it's very different than the other way around. But I'm very thankful that I chose love. Mm -hmm. And if I would have been dead, I probably would have been in the middle of praying for the gods. Wow. And I, I never told anyone because they would have killed me for saying or doing such a thing. I, I just did it my way. 
My sister was much heavier than I was. So in the evening, I got the soup, you know. It wasn't a soup at all. It was just some warm water with maybe, maybe a little uh, carrots. I don't know. But I ate the soup and saved the bread because I knew she was going to be very hungry because she ate both right away. <laughs> so my sister was 100 years old last January 23rd. And she tells you she's 99 years old. So you think I'm going to correct her? No. So she's going to be 100 next year when I think she's going to be 101 years old. Because today she'll tell you she's 99. So is there such a thing as truth? It's subjective. It's my truth and your truth. It's, it's you know, where are we with the truth? I know what I tell you I lived. So there. I remember in in uh, Sydney, I was giving a talk and survivors were there. And I told them I was liberated May 4th on a 1945 on a Friday afternoon. One woman stood up. No, you didn't. I don't know if I ever shared that with you. No, wow. you didn't. Yes. She had to be heard. She had to be heard. She's, she was not agreeing with me. And I knew exactly. And guess what? There is a gentleman who was in the 71st Infantry liberating me. So he told me, now. and I found them now. He was on 60 minutes a couple months ago. And I said, I gotta go, I got to, I got to, I got to. <sighs> and I am in touch with that wonderful man oh. who was the 71st Infantry liberating me and talked to me about uh, cannibalism, how people were eating a dead horse and uh, terrible things. So you see, uh, how can I tell that woman that never defend yourself? Thank God I didn't defend myself. I didn't tell her you're wrong. No, just say thank you for your opinion. Mm. Don't argue with people because there is no truth. There is my truth. My boyfriend and I were Zionists, and we were going to go to Palestine, and we had a goal together. And now I'm hoping there is going to be a movie. There are money issues, of course. But you see, I want honor him mm. that he and I had a goal in life. We, we, we had to be 
somewhere doing something for the betterment of mankind. And I was, you know, 14 year old, 15 year old with a boyfriend. We were same age. I was in a girl's school, he was in a boy's school. Yes. His name was Friedman, Imre in Hungarian. So I call him Eric now, kind of trying to Americanize his name. But I was told that he was killed the day before liberation. Mm. So you cannot forgive without rage. You're not forgetting it. You're not overcoming it. You come to terms with it. And that is, is where I go many times. It's in my book when I go to Costco and I park in the back and there was the barbed wire and immediately I was in Auschwitz. And then I found out I'm at Costco. Auschwitz is Auschwitz. And I don't try to run from it or fight it. It was an opportunity for me to discover the strength that life is from inside out. You know, I had a ballet beautiful teacher who used the word ecstasy, but I didn't understand that word ever. Said, all oh, the ecstasy has to come from inside out. But in Auschwitz, it came to me that ecstasy comes from inside. Don't wait for someone to come and liberate you. Mm -hmm. Dependency breeds depression. A lot of the times, I think it's good to be a realist, but not an idealist. It's very important to know that when you're an idealist, and if you don't find exactly what you're looking for, you can be miserable. You know, you're expecting more, and it wasn't there to begin with. So be in touch with your expectations, whether you are a realist. Maybe there is a gap between realism and idealism. Are you friends otherwise? We met at a support group after our mums died suddenly. And because we had that in common, we, yeah, we connected and clicked straight away. And then um, we created this podcast to talk about grief and loss because we felt that there wasn't that conversation happening here in Australia. So that's how we met and became really good friends. Wonderful. But I'm glad that you have each other and that you have something to fight for and live for and have a goal. And when you have a goal, I like you to pay attention what you're focusing on mm. because anything you focus on usually will be hopefully closer.
to the goal. I call it the arrow, you know, pick an arrow that you're taking. Yeah. And we, we love what we're doing. And, and a lot of our listeners, they are familiar with you and your work. And they were so excited that we were being able to have this conversation with you. And a lot of them are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. And we had a lot of questions come through about that. And you have said that so many people can remain stuck in their grief and their trauma, unable to experience their lives fully. Um, how, how do we free ourselves from being trapped in that place because it can be really common it's a very important point that you you go through the valley of the shadow of that but don't come there mm. don't set up household that's a very very important point i uh, i think when when you're stuck, you really are not seeing the bright things and the gift in everything. You adhere to the victim's mentality and the victim will always find the victimizer. Mm -hmm. And yesterday's victims can easily become today's victimizers because part of the psyche identifies with the aggressor. Mm. So it's, it's very good to think about your thinking and see whether it's empowering you or depleting you and uh, what you can do, not better or worse, but differently. To give yourself permission just to be plain silly Yes. And take your temperature every day, whether you feel soft and warm or cold and stiff. Mm. My assistant just handed it to me. She knows my little one, two, threes, and this is one of them. To think about your thinking, I think it's very, very important because it can truly change your whole body chemistry. It's a gift in everything. There is a hope in hopelessness. I never considered in Auschwitz, even though I was told every day that the only way I get out of here is a corpse. And they took my blood. And one time I asked, why do you take my blood? And the guy said to me in perfect German, I'm taking your blood to aid the German soldiers so we can win the war and take over the world. He's telling me that in perfect German, right? I say to myself, you're the stupid idiot. With my ballerina blood, you're going to win the war. I had the humor, but of course I did not. Express. You yeah. learn, you study the atmosphere, and you learn to speak the language that is going to be useful to you. Never, ever give up. And I think it's a miracle that I'm here talking to you. 
and I welcome every moment of it because I know people ask me the legacy, the legacy. Mm. Well, I want to be remembered that I spoke to you, the young people, because you are the ambassadors for peace. Dr. Eager, in The Choice, you talk about a period in your life where you were helping other people heal, yet you were denying your own grief and trauma by minimizing it. And this is something that I personally can really relate to as I tend to keep myself really busy to distract myself when I know that I need to feel the feelings that I'm pushing away. So I'm curious to know from you, <laughs> what made you realize that you finally needed to face your own grief and trauma? And how did you do it without overwhelming yourself? I began to work with PTSD which I refused to talk again as a disorder. We pathologize too much rather mm. than demythologize. Okay, there is no perfect family. It's not a disorder. You know, it's a reaction to a loss. It's grief. So I'd like you to read Dr. Seligman's um, learned helplessness about uh, how we uh, how we need to look at uh, uh, everything and what happened that I had two paraplegics both coming from Vietnam so same symptomatology same diagnosis same prognosis one of them was like in a fetal position why me Okay, screaming, why me? And using the four letter words. And conversely, the other one said to me, you know, you know, Doc, God works in a very mysterious way because I am in a wheelchair and I can see my children's eyes much closer. And then he said, uh, I can see the flowers much closer too. And here I am wearing a white coat. And it says, Department of Psychiatry, Dr. Edith Eva Eager. And I feel like an imposter. <laughs> and realizing that I cannot take them further than I have gone myself. And I went back to Auschwitz. I wish I could meet those two paraplegics coming from Vietnam with same symptomatology, same diagnosis, same prognosis. There is a difference between reacting or responding. That's my story on PTSD doesn't exist. It's post-traumatic growth, uh, Dr. Seligman would tell you. You grow from it, the more you suffer, the stronger you become. I am not a strong woman. I am a woman of strength. And that's who you are. You're an ambassador, a woman of strength, and children don't do what we say. They do 
what they see. Yes, I love that, that I've heard you say that before and that stuck with me and it's so true, isn't it? Yes, yes, you you are the most wonderful role model and uh, keep doing what you're doing, but don't do it in excess. Find the balance between working, loving, and playing. It's important to do when you are grieving the loss of, of someone you love as well. We can get so caught up in it. We forget to have fun. We forget to live our lives. And it's such an important message. Exactly. Because uh, when your husband is less important than your children, you better see how you can find out that you can have a date. And one month you initiate, and the next month he initiates, that you go out as a couple and don't ask how are you and how are your customers. You don't talk about anyone who is not there. Hmm. That's gossip. No question, how are you? Why don't you put your sweater on? Looks like you're cold. No advice, no questions. And then you say, so then what do we talk about? Yeah, I was about to ask you that. <laughs> no, children, no children and no, jo no job. You're not allowed to talk about the children and your work. Then you say, so then what do we talk about? Talk about the present. The past is gone. There is one thing we cannot change is the past. So I asked you, when did your childhood end? The second question, would you like to be married to you? Mm. Think about that. Mm. Whether you really love yourself that if you take a bath, you don't have to hurry up. The children don't have to bang on the door and talking to you. And you just tell them I'll be there in 20 minutes. And, and I hope you set the table by then. And, and I'm so happy that I have you to be such wonderful children. You know, always a compliment. No, yes, but. Yes, and. Mm -hmm. I'm the luckiest mom that you were sent to me. People don't come to me, they're sent to me. So while you are in a bathtub, you can th think about yourself and where are you existentially? Mm. What is the meaning and the purpose in your existence? And that's what Viktor Frankl and I were all about, how we survived. He was surviving by pretending that he was in a Viennese lecture hall lecturing about the psychology of the concentration camp. He was in his studies. He was an MD. 
And I said, that's very important for me to hear because when I was 16, I was forced to dance for Dr. Mengele and I closed my eyes and imagined the music was Tchaikovsky and I was dancing the Romeo and Juliet at the Budapest Opera House. We both do that. So when a woman tells me, which happened, of course, Edie, I was touched. But I don't know, how can I tell you that, that I was really touched inappropriately, but you were in Auschwitz. Mm. And my answer was, I knew the enemy, you didn't. See, let's not come up with uh, right away so quickly. Um, uh, you have to be very careful uh, not to be too quick either and not assume anything. Uh, the, the little book that I love was written by a Mexican psychiatrist and it's called The Four Agreement. Oh, I have that book. I have that somewhere. Good. It's a beautiful book. I think it's in my bag. It's very good. Yeah, it's beautiful. I remember two things. You can help me with the other two. One is very important. Don't take it personally. And the second one, don't assume. The other two, I don't remember. Always do your best and be impeccable with your word. There you go. Yeah. Get that book. It's mm. wonderfully done because sometimes we assume and operate on our assumptions that has nothing to do with the truth. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I think, I think uh, you are wonderful role models. Change is synonymous with growth. I studied Latin and it says uh, time is changing and we are changing with the times. Tempora mutantur et nos mutamor in illis. I studied that. <laughs> in 1940. <laughs> yes. And I will never forget uh, how my mother told me very seriously, I'm glad that you have brains because you have no looks. No. Yeah. My, I had two beautiful sisters. Magda was the pretty one. Clara was the child prodigy in violin. She ended up in a camp in Budapest and her Christian professor put on some uniform and smuggled her out and hit her until the end of the war. Wow. Amazing. And I was in New Zealand in 1985. The keynote speaker to celebrate the righteous Gentiles who raised their lives, Coritin Boone, was my favorite woman 
whose sister died in her arm in a camp. And from her, I learned about forgiveness even more. It's, the book is called The Hiding Place by Corrie Boone. I, I think uh, I had a wonderful time with Prime Minister Lenghi, was his name, and people thought I am talking about the war and bombs, and he told me he's fat. He wants me to help him to lose weight. <laughs> no politics at all. I loved him, I loved him, I loved him. Prime Minister Lenghi, I was told he died, but if you can double check and tell his family that I carry the most beautiful memories with Prime Minister Lange. So we came in on a red carpet. I'm sitting in the first row. My late husband asked me, what are you going to say? <laughs> and I said, I don't know until I say it. Hmm. I don't prepare anything. I just tell you what I lived, and if you like it, fine. If you don't, that's okay, too, because I don't have time to make up things or pretend anything. It is a wonderful way to get older and wiser, but not old and senile. So I think it's very important for us to talk and uh, have the generations here to be good role models to you. So ask your grandma, ask your grandpa about uh, smoking and drinking and, and the kind of things that um, you want to learn. Thank you very much for for doing the work you do because it's not a work, it's your calling. Yeah. We admire you so much and what a legacy that you will be leaving behind and we hope that people hear our conversation today for many, many years and you are just, you're just such an incredible woman and we just, we, yeah, we thank you so much for your time. Keep going, keep going, have, have your calling for you and you're a good team, a blondie, <laughs> and two beautiful women. I'm going to call you Renaissance women. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Egan, this has been a life-changing conversation and something that we will carry with us forever. So Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your time today. It, it has been a true honor to speak with you. You're an incredibly special lady. You and, are. Um, yeah, you, you're absolute inspiration. You're amazing. And we feel so lucky that we got to share this time with you today. So thank you so much. It's mutual. It's very mutual. I wish you well. You can call me like my great grandson does that uh, I am grandma. So much love to you. And you were sent to me. So I'm the luckiest. What a fascinating and wise woman. I'm just, I'm blown away by that conversation.
isn't she just incredible? This interview was literally a dream come true. And I think we will be processing this for quite some time. Guys, thank you for tuning in. And we hope that you took as much away from this as we did. And if you haven't already joined our private grief support Facebook group, it's called Good Morning Grief Community. It's a safe space to share what's going on for you and honor your loved ones. And again, we'll link it in the show notes. Take care, guys, and we will see you next time. 